I'll be reading from 1 Kings chapter 17 today. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you. So he went and did it according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to be to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, good to see everybody. Welcome if you're visiting today, especially. Um, if you're visiting, we have been going through a sermon series through the book of First Kings. And um, as we continue in First Kings... As we do, we enter for a couple of sermons into the narrative of the prophet Elijah. Now, doing these sermons at a clip of about a chapter a week, and sometimes you read the whole chapter like we did today, it means that I am cherry-picking some themes, 
some lessons, cherry-picking with good context, like a good Presbyterian pastor does, all exegetical and all. Yeah, I don't have to go tell on me. But recognizing, honestly, as I go through these passages, as you do, as you look at them, and maybe as you hear them read, and as we go through it, these stories that we've read, and especially these Elijah stories, are packed with all sorts of gospel lessons everywhere and all sorts of ways to, to look at it and see it. And you'll see all kinds of things, again, as we go through more than I will cover. So I urge you to go back and read and discuss. And if you have questions, you can email me. And I will answer eventually. All right? But you have elders, so it's not just one of me. Um, you have elders, you have women shepherds in this church who know the Word of God um, very well and have full confidence. They can go through with you. Um, so if you have anything come up or want to know or, or reading and like, this seems crazy, Pastor Brown, or what you said, I'm not sure, um, please let us know. That's what we do here. So Elijah was a prophet of God, specifically called, as we'll see, to confront the king of the northern kingdom, King Ahab, and his wife, Queen Jezebel, to confront them about their false gods and rampant idol worship, especially Baal now. And as far as prophets of the Bible are concerned, Elijah was like top three, okay? He was like the Dr. J, Michael Jordan. Who's the third one, y'all? Larry Bird, okay. That's because I'm older. Okay, um, so Jesus even used Elijah in sermons when he taught. Some people asked him if he was Elijah. And, and the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, uh, he uses Elijah. And I mean, the New Testament rather uses Elijah as an example of faith for us to follow. And Elijah comes across as, as I was reading the stories about him and I read a little bit ahead, he was like, he comes across as one of those dudes you want to hang out with. Because God is with him and does amazing things around him, right? So, and through him. So if you hang around Elijah, some miracle is possibly going to happen if you hang with him. But Elijah is one of those dudes you don't want to hang with. Why? Same reason. Because God is with them and does amazing things around him. And we don't know how it's going to turn out, right? Why this dichotomy? Why this uh, conflict with someone like Elijah? Because Elijah was a man, a prophet, as we will see, who had little or no self-control. He was like the Hulk. The good prophetic Hulk of the Bible who, who was led about and reacted upon by the Spirit of God. And that often meant God would do some glorifying but sometimes explosive, unpredictable, life-threatening things through Elijah. He would say things that would get you on the death wish list of the king and queen. Right? You want to hang with him? I want us to see today, though, that though incredible, miraculous things happen through Elijah, that as the Bible talks about him in the New Testament and the Old Testament, Elijah, the Bible tells us and wants to remind us, was just a human being used by God. And so like Elijah, 
God puts people, especially his people, in places and positions where all kind of unpredictable and crazy things will happen for his glory. He puts them and calls them first to places and positions um, to, sorry, in places and positions to first go to broken places and broken people. And secondly, to pass the grace of God through his means of grace as human agents of his grace. Now, I did all sub points and everything in one little swoop there. But let me say it again. God calls his people to go to the broken. Sub point A, broken places, and sub point B, broken people. Second point, and then God calls his people to pass the grace. Sub point A, through the means of grace, sub point B, through human agency. Now, we read a lot of scripture already, and guess what? We're going to read a lot of scripture again. Let's look at verse 1. Oh, I love the amen. Y'all want to be in here long. Okay, so... Verse 1, no, I won't hold you long. Uh, verse 1, now Elijah Tishbite of Tishba and Gilead said to Ahab, that's the king, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of God came to him, depart from here, came to Elijah, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook of Cherith, that is east of the Jordan, and the ravens brought, his, brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, right? Two meals a day, bread and, and drink. He drank from the brook, right? After a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, Elijah, go to Zarephath. Gosh, let me tell you, uh, Susan, you, you read so well. Um, you pronounced these words better than I did. And, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said to Elijah, as, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. Now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son. Now hear this, right? That we may eat it and die. Lots of reading again. And after we're done with the sermon, hopefully you understand why we're doing so much reading. But God called Elijah you can see it already, to some pretty botched and broken places in his time. And by broken places, I mean a world and places in this world that are suffering and living separated from God's gracious blessings because of the sin and idolatry committed by people. Broken means that our institutions and countries and communities and all kind of nations are condemned to live below the standard of the good and right and justice God intended. If you want to know what broken is, turn on the news. You don't even have to turn it on. You get the little reports. It's terrible. I get these little reports. I was following up Kelly. She always got reports who would tell me about the news. This is what happened. This is what happened. So I wanted to be smart too. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening right now. You know, boop, boop, boop on your cell phone. Just reminded that we're condemned 
because of sin to live below the standards of good and right and justice again that God intended, becoming oppressive and oppressed and beat down and slummed out and barren and resource challenged and perpetuating all sorts of injustices and idolatry. And that is where God calls Elijah. And in calling Elijah, calls him to bring light to to be, to go, to do his ministry. And, and let's look at this. To, to obey God, to trust God in places like Samaria, which is not in your reading here. He's running from Samaria. You can catch that in chapter 16, the end of chapter 16. In Samaria, the capital city of the north, in the high court before King Ahab and Jezebel, in the highest ranking place of brokenness standing before the ruling institution of broken idol-worshiping power there. And then from there, we see God send Elijah to the countryside on the east side of Jordan to a place called Cherith to hide, the Bible says. Why is he hiding? He's hiding from the vindictive king and queen. Now, having already announced a drought and a famine, that's why the king and queen are mad at him. He's like giving the report, right? Who, who does it? Is the Greenspan man or something like that? Like, or, or whoever it is coming and saying, guess what? We're going to have a down year. Economy's going to drop. You done, right? That's what Elijah did. So he's hiding. Now, having already announced a drought and famine, Cherith is the last place anybody would want to be caught alive because soon you'll be dead. And yet it was there. Into the depths, y'all into the experience of famine and poverty that God wanted his person, his prophet Elijah, to go and experience. The Bible tells us, as we read, that he provided for Elijah through ravens bringing him food and a miraculous spring to give him water. But just when Elijah might have been, been thinking, right? It been about, you know, saying, hey, I, 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 my prayers worked. I've got my blessing now. Hallelujah. I think I'll make a suburb out of it. Right? Right at that point when you would imagine he is thinking, this is where I'm going to live. I'm going to build a house. The ravens stop coming and the brook dries up. The economy goes bad, just like he prophesied, in what looked like a never-ending supply of food. Just when Elijah was about to close on building a house in a prosperous city of Cherith as the first house in the Ravensbrook subdivision, God sends him to yet another broken community and situation. Sends him to what many of us would describe as the inner city. To a woman and a people if you explore this country, to the don't believe in God, not God forsaken, but rather their gods forsook them, high hunger and jobless rate, nice place turned slum of the Sidonian city, Zarephath. It might have been better in Cherith in some ways. Amazon, raven food delivered twice a day to this place. To live with a widow with her son? who have only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. So it's not just broken places. It's clear to see. It's broken people, right? The reason Elijah's hiding in Cherith, as I explained, and the people are hungry, and this woman in Zarephath is widowed and fixing her last, excuse me, her last meal, and there is poverty and famine, is because King Ahab and Queen Jezebel have a broken relationship with God. See, it was God who founded that country. 
It was God that made the people they rule a people in Israel. Israel, the country they sat over, was God's promise and promised land. And now he is being bumped by, by the fake God Baal and broken leadership. By the way, God set it up means broken people like this widow will suffer from the results of sin and injustice. Y'all heard around about trickle-down economics, right? Remember that under Reagan? Let me tell you, sin and idolatry trickle down too. And unfortunately, in the poorest part of our countries, what you actually see is, is like the bottoming out, like, like the final drain out place. When you look at the most depressed parts of our, our cities and our countries and even nations around the world, it's not just because, you know, oh, well, they, if they would just pull themselves up from their own bootstraps, well, if the rest of the world would quit dumping stuff on them so they could actually get up. So this is what's going on. He basically explained, trickle down sin. Hey, king, queen, you want to set up idol worship. You're leading your people in worship. You know what? Famine and poverty, which means the, the people who don't even have the economic resources are going to suffer the worst. Because of someone else's brokenness. So people like this widow who along with the leaders will have little or no knowledge or remembrance or trust in the God of Israel. They live as broken people who have decided and been led to believe that God, the true God, has left them and doesn't care for, for or love them. Do you know that's what people think when they go through this kind of suffering? God ain't with God. That kind of belief leads to all sorts of desperate injustice and impoverished and unmerciful, apathetic, empty, and oppressed people. Look how she addresses Elijah's God, the true God, in verse 12 again. Look carefully, and she said, as the Lord who? Your God lives. Means that her God has forsaken her. And she doesn't know God who would make a difference yet. And just when things look good for them, staying alive, this is like an episode of Good Times, right? Some of y'all are a little too young to know about Good Times. Now, what's that channel, the centric channel or the one channel where all the black shows show over and over? What is it? Bounce. Why we got to have a channel called Bounce? (laughs) Why? Is it mean bounce back to the past or something? Bounce? Oh, bounce. Okay, gotcha. Why does it have to be a dance, you know? Anyway, I'm not getting into that, y'all. I, I, I'm getting off from the Word of God. Oh, my gosh. I went a little ethnic for a minute. Let me come back. Okay, it's not all right. I got to stick with the Word. But it's like went good times, right? We getting out the ghetto. Right? Thelma married a football player for the Bears. We're going. We're out. Hi, everybody jumping around. Oh, no, he blew his knee out. James is going to get us out the ghetto. He got a job. Y'all remember James dead. Remember the phone? I can't say the word. Remember? Yeah. For poor folk, when the bottom falls out, sometimes there's still three more floors to go. There's a basement. (laughs) There's a basement in poverty. 
There's a basement everywhere. What we see here is just when they think about the live, and they're staying alive because the drawer keeps giving, her only son gets sick and dies. He was her only hope of keeping her land and home. Remember, women couldn't own anything back then. Her, her son was a hope that, you know, there would be a heritage, that there would be some kind of legacy, just bad news, even though they were going to die and eat and go away. At least she had something, man, when the, when the food kept coming. Just bad news. Broken people with all sorts of impossibly broken circumstances and heart. And God sends Elijah then, not only, now hear me guys, not only to visit the rich and broken, not rich and famous, rich and famous and broken. Okay? Elijah would show up on a Kardashian show. Yeah, he would. He'd be there comforting Kim after their jewelry was stolen. He would. Said you didn't eat all that jewelry. Anyway. You would see Elijah at the award show too. He'd be the one nobody wanted to sit beside, but he would be there. He'd be the one who got the card and presenting an award for, y'all need to follow God. Yike! But the Bible is telling us he not only came to visit the rich and famous and broken, but to live with the forgotten and forsaken. He was called to confront, to have conversation, and be in community, and share life with broken people, and even for a while, be one of those desolate, broken, without food or home people himself. And the widow says it perfectly in verse 18. Look with me. And she said to Elijah, after her son dies, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. What is she saying? When, when she is saying that you are here, sent by your God, she's saying, you are here, sent by your God to bring light to our broken situation. You've shown us clearly and see and shown us that we live among people who are suffering under the curse of God and we are one of those people. You have come to here to be God's person in and for and show our broken mess. And that's not always fun. You and I, and when I say I and you, I'm primarily talking to the so-called believers right now. The church are called by the Lord to live and confront and find community and share life in broken places with broken people as broken people who've been redeemed by God. And in our American brand, Charlotte Evangelical double-branded version of Christianity, sometimes we are mistaken to believe that the Lord calls people out of brokenness to live and stay out of broken places, away from broken people, right? The Lord blessed me, so I'm moving this neighborhood out of here, right? Now, you understand what I'm saying now. I'm going to be careful here. Sometimes we think that's the standard of blessing, never, ever having to bring up brokenness or ever having to deal and face with these things. That being a believer is about being able to move and get away or wash our hands of having ever to deal with people in places that are messed up. 
And yet the standard practice of God, as far as we can see, not only in this story, but in the Bible as a whole, is that God is always calling and sending people, in particular his people, to and for places and people that are visibly and institutionally and sometimes not so visibly and institutionally affected and damaged and destroyed and broken up like the widow, like the northern kingdom leadership, and in high places of influence like the capital of Samaria and really slummed out impoverished places like the town of Zarephath. Yes, like the West Charlotte Church plant in Corteen. We're planting out of this church who has a philosophy of moving in, relocating, or how some of you have moved into the hood, some of you. And others of you are part of groups like Black Lives Matter and the League of United Latin American Citizens or the National Right to Life or International Justice Mission or Hope for Charlotte or Nota School of Arts or Project 658. You know what this is? It's a call for his people to go and confront people who may believe that they are not broken, right? There's there's an addition to it. Sometimes it's clear, oh, I'm going down here to help this, or I'm going down to work in the city, or I'm going down to do the tutoring program, or I'm going down to do the soup kitchen. Yes, do that too. But recognize there is a call, again, to go to a place where people think we're not so bad, this is not a broken place, to let them know that they really are. That even though they have sought to escape sin's judgment and escape this broken world, that it doesn't matter how far south or how high the gate is in your gated community or how high your office space is in Uptown or how many zeros are in your check or whether your wife has to or doesn't have to work and whether they have the perfect little Christian or academically good school, that guess what? That is a broken place and it got that way as soon as you got there. God calls us into, I mean, I'm sure King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, Jezebel, they were doing great. And here comes Elijah. This is a broken down place. I don't care how much gold. I don't care how much silver. I don't care how big your crown is. Drought and famine for you too. Right? The economy is going to look like your heart really is. We're not going to let you perpetrate a fraud anymore, king and queen. What your God is about and giving you, we're going to let it manifest around. And matter of fact, later, you'll find out that even the king is out in the field like a donkey trying to get food. Right? God calls us into and then to point out the crack in the china. To live with people in places like they are, and they really are, experience the effects of forsaking the true God and are truly experiencing the effects of not our God forsaking, but their God's forsaking them kind of judgment. And here is a sign that you and I are fulfilling that call of brokenness in this world and, and in the lives of people. It will feel and hopefully you help them feel like there is no hope. That you see them in their world regardless, again, of how much stuff they do or don't have or how respected or disrespected they are. Like an, like an empty jar or dried up brook or deserted place that they are sick and are dying and dead without the Lord intervening there and in them. Without the Lord breaking through in the eyes of those who are called to go. If there is any hope left in anything or anywhere else, then we have yet to see 
and live like or be called to the brokenness God has called us to live in and for. And this does not have a zip code or tax bracket with it. Though God calls us to pay special attention to what is most easy to forget and forgo and what is the result of some bad living at the top and in the middle. to go to the widows and orphans of the world like this woman in this passage, but also for the widow and the oppressed, privileged orphan makers, right? And apathetic middle class don't care orphan and widow keepers. And then the metaphorical spiritual widow and orphans all around. But the point is, God is sending and calling his people to broken places filled with all kinds of broken people. I don't know where you are. Whatever your sphere of influence are, whatever neighborhood you're in, whoever your next door neighbor is, whoever you're standing next to in the line to buy whatever car it may be, wherever you're banking, wherever you get your financing, whoever's sitting across the desk from you, those places are broken with broken people. And God calls you there to do ministry there. You know, when we first started Christ Central, West Charlotte Church has a particular mission. When we started Christ Central, everyone's like, should we all move to the hood? I'm like, why? You already living in one. But you know, we want to come down. Yeah, we're going to take some of the money and deal with that. Thank you. And some days you may come out and help, and, and some days you, but what, guess what? When you go to work on Monday morning, I want you to try to get up to the highest office you can and let them know, like King Ahab and Queen Jezebel had to know, that some of the things y'all doing in here is foul, and I think you need to know, right? Things need to change. You don't have to move. You don't have to move to experience Cherith. You don't have to move to experience a brook drying up. It's all a smokescreen. Bail the false gods in this world with money and, 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 and privilege have created this false illusion that when you look around at what things people have, that somehow they are not broken. It's our job to point it out. Who is calling me? <sighs> and it shows up on my iPad. Broken people, they should be in church. They shouldn't be calling. <laughs> the Lord wants his people to go into the broken to do what they must. To share, to give, to, as I want to explain here, to pass his grace on. Through his means of grace, number one, subpoint one, and subpoint B or two, through his human, through human agency. So we see God provide truth and lies and, and, and needs and deep wants and life where there is death. We see it in Elijah confronting the king and queen and declaring God's judgment on the way of life. We, we, we see it in Ravenbrook where, where Elijah, this is grace, right? We see God's grace in Ravenbrook where, where Elijah was fed twice a day. And then we saw God's grace work in the flour and oil that would never run dry. And then we see God's grace work when the sun is being raised from the dead and how the wind who didn't believe in God of Elijah did after her son was raised. I'm summarizing so we don't be here all night. I said night, didn't I? All of those things are examples of God's grace being passed to and shared with people in and for their broken situations of circumstance and heart. 
But here is where we can get it twisted and often do. God passes his grace along to us and for us and too, too many prepositions. I'm, I'm getting lost. For the world and people we are with through. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm catching myself. I'm, I'm keeping it real today, y'all. I'm sorry. Um, this is not a performance. I'm just up here uh, preaching, y'all. But he, he does it through his means of grace. And what that means is that God gives and provides grace through certain things. Things that we can see and hear and read and sense and taste. Right? It's almost like we're not Superman. We're more like Batman. We got gadgets. Right? I was watching a trailer for um, the, the Justice League. And one of the funniest lines is Robin obviously says to Batman, what power do you have? He says, I'm rich, right? That's my power. I can buy all this stuff. Anyway, I thought it was funny. Um, But the Bible's letting us know that we're rich too in grace, right? And we're called to pass that on, right? We're called to put that on. We're called to share that. In this passage, we see Elijah using... Here are three things I want us to see, and we call them the, it's using, he uses the word of God, he uses prayer, and what I would describe as a shadow, it's not quite exactly, but it quite exactly, right, a shadow of the sacraments, like the baptism and the Lord's Supper. These three means are what are called and referred to as ordinary means of grace, right? Ordinary doesn't mean they don't do extraordinary things. Ordinary means that they are the normal, regular way God gives his grace to people, right? It's like, you know, if you go to McDonald's, they're going to have a Big Mac, unless you go to the ghetto one I, was, I went to over. And remember down in Riverdale, we went to that McDonald's? Hey, can I have a Big Mac? Sorry, we ought to meet. I was so mad. Like, <laughs> I, I'll never forget, I went to, it happens, right? I went to Burger King. Can I get a Whopper? Sorry, we're out of Whopper meat. And I just had to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of mouthy. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. This is home of the Whopper, and y'all ran out of Whopper meat? Well, somebody forgot to order it. Man, what is this? Would you like two burger patties? Sure. But I wanted that Whopper meat. You ever notice that the cheese on the Whopper and the cheese on the burger are the same? Then why is the cheese on the Whopper 10 cents more? You ever wondered that? One time I said, can I just get the burger cheese on my Whopper and drop 10 cents? Anyway, I just wondered if y'all were as wise as I am. Um, get the profound things in life. So these three means of grace are called ordinary means of grace. And in large part, the use of ordinary means has not changed since Elijah's time. Our Lord has effectively, y'all, passed his grace from heaven, the grace of his truth, and provided for broken people and places through the word, through prayer, and through sacrament from the very beginning. It hasn't changed. It's been ordinary and trustworthy for thousands and hundreds of thousands, or however, whether you think it's an old earth or a young earth, that many years, right? Now look carefully at this passage again, and we're going to read some again. Y'all ready? Let's read. No, not, not the old school way. I'm going to read. Y'all going to listen. Now, Elijah the Tishbite, and, and, and wait, wait. Before I read, I want you to listen for phrases that mention and say things like the word of God or God says 
or God commanded, okay? Now watch what happens here, ready? Okay, verse, verse 1, chapter 17. Now Elijah Tishbite of Tishbin Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, this shall neither be dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of God, of the Lord, right? There we go again. Came to him, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook. Um, and I have commanded, commanded, there's another thing, the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of God, word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook of Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear and go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterward make something for yourself and your son. Verse 14. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. The jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. All right, I'm going to stop right there because that's enough reading to make my point. Well, not my point, God's point for you. Did you see it? Pretty obvious. How God intends to pass heaven's grace, God's unmerited favor, blessing, and power through Elijah. Now, I'm leaning heavy on one of them here. Now, look at, the, look, now look at other means of grace, right? Through the word of God. So you got that first, word of God. Now, look at the other ordinary means of grace. I have to bring something else from the New Testament that is not here. But do you realize why it was a drought? The Bible tells us that Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't for three years, right? That's verse 1. And then look at when the widow's son dies in verse 20. And the Bible says, after he died, he brings the boy up to the room. Um, please excuse me, I'm abbreviating a lot of things because we're trying to get to the whole chapter. Um, but look at verse 20. And he cried to the Lord, Elijah did, Oh, Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and... Cry to the Lord, O oh Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. Elijah prayed to God. He communicated honestly and earnestly to God. He made a request to God. He laid it all out for God to do and move and change things. There's one more means of grace I want to bring out, but y'all going to have to stretch with me a little bit. I'm not trying to be like some biblical heretic or something, but I want y'all to just trust me. Sacrament. 
Sacrament is a sensible sign and seal of the covenant, something we feel, eat, touch, participate in, and we do through the Lord's Supper and baptism. And God's Spirit communes with us in it, and it gives us grace as we participate. Again, there are two sacraments that we celebrate, Lord's Supper and baptism, and we see foreshadows of that in this passage, don't we? God feeds his people from his means of grace in the Lord's Supper. We see that in the ravens, in the brook, and then in a never-ending jar. And then, okay, in, if baptism is a sign and seal of Christ uniting with us in our death and our being ri risen to new life in him to be part of his communion and community of faith, isn't that what Elijah does with this woman's son? He puts himself on the dead boy. You're not supposed to touch a dead body because you may become unclean. He unites himself with the illness and sin and death of this boy and raises and restores him to not only new life, but to community. I love that as a child, we do infant baptism. Isn't that amazing? Is that your proof of infant baptism? No, not all. We got more. Now today, those sacraments of God feeding us, uniting us to the life of his body is clearer, right? And clear in the Lord's Supper community uh, or, or, or communion and baptism. And with these ordinary means of grace, y'all, it is sometimes easy to miss the forest for the trees, right? Christians do it all the time. I do it. To be impressed by the flame and miss the heat. It is even more so easy to confuse things when you are desperate and people around you are pressuring you and, and are obstinate and oppressed to believe that we need something like a raven who drops two meals off a day. Yes! Or we need to Indiana Jones this thing like a lot of movies do. And, and, and let's go on an archaeological visit to find the widow's never-ending flower and oil pot. Or we need to find Elijah's bed of resurrection, Right? Or we need to do a pilgrimage and find Ravensbrook and set up a house there because at that spring and at that place, God will never stop feeding us like find the Garden of Eden or, or the Holy Grail or some secret map or the secret. Remember the Oprah did with that book? It, or it's no longer bestseller, right? No, or, or the prophet who has healing power in his hands. Let, let's, let's follow him around to his rallies and, and, and the healing handkerchief or touching the screen or getting your systematic theology and reformed theology so straight you can never would be wrong or a magic spell of some sort let's do, let's go harry potter on it man i'm a visionary right talker planner but i'm not a prayer all the time i always pray afterwards which is wrong i'm like i got a great idea let's go and i get there i'm like oh we better pray right Because somehow I think like many of you, we get caught up in trying to be more, give more grace, a grace as to who and what God calls us to be at times with our mouths and our brains and our actions and our experience and, and sometimes like me, our manic, espresso-driven brilliance. But things happen and work by God's grace because someone prayed. Even when I fail to, or an elder or a member reminds me, hey, 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 Mr. Crazy Man, hey, hey, Mr. Manic Visionary Pastor, guess what? Did you remember what God's Word said here? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I was talking to Omari, Pastor Omari, about when I feel like the sermon or my communication fell short, right? All oh, preachers do it. We go through this depression after, man, it was, it's terrible, man. Nobody likes me, because that's what it's all about, right? 
He agreed as a preacher himself. Yeah, I understand, brother. And then he's like, he's, as he's good as doing, Amari's so calm. Yeah, man. It's pretty rough being a pastor because them faces look at you, don't look like they get you. And then they come after and say, thank you for blah, 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 and it'd be the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you want to re-preach it? Yeah, man, I get it. Then you go back and say, you're a poor communicator, preached too long, did this, did that, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, man. And he said, just with the next like calm voice, without even thinking about it, thank you. Isn't it good that you have the Lord's Supper after you preach? Because if they don't get the word that you're boring, too long, sometimes you sleep through preaching, they get it through the sacrament. Yay! And I was like, no, not yay. He says they get it from the sacrament. The reading of the word before you preach. What Susan did in reading the word is still effectual. It's the word of God read. You're singing. Kelly said it earlier. You're singing. You're praying. Phil prayed, right? We're singing the word of God. Those are ordinary means of grace that will overcome, keep, and transform broken people. The ravens in the brook and jars of oil and flour and bed, they did not feed Elijah. They did not resurrect the boy. It was the means of God's grace and Elijah's obedience to them that sent the ravens and made the jars not end and made the boy rise from the dead. If you want to see crazy, wild things happen before God, do ordinary things. Like share the word of God. Share what God says. Read the word of God. Oh, man, I can't stand it because it's so boring and it's so against my personality. Pray, right? Let's have a prayer meeting. No, I can't stand prayer meetings. Let's get in little circles of three and pray. And let me, No, let's hurry and get through this so we can do the real thing that's going to make a difference. I'm the one who'll be looking for Elijah's bed of resurrection, y'all. I want things to change now, right? It's those little prayer groups of two and three that are changing the world. It's the little word reading that are changing young people's lives. Oh man, my kids act so bored when we read the Bible. Read it anyway. My, it's like saying my kids don't like vegetables, so I'm just gonna give them candy. No, you wouldn't. Teeth will fall out. They'll get scurvy or something, the spine or something, something will go wrong. You give it to him anyway because it's the grace of God. We don't want to do Lord's Supper. Come on, eat. It's the grace of God. Ordinary means. And this is, what, this is for our confidence. And this is for our calling. And as broken people who sometimes suffer famine and poverty in so many different ways and doubt God and for the ministry we're called, guess what? Like the jar and like the bed and like the brook, right? And like the ravens obedience and use of God's regular means of grace, passing God's grace through those things, y'all, is more than enough to change a city, a family, a nation, a neighborhood, a community, an institutional problem, right? You, them, whoever, God's means of grace are yours to pass. And you will not be extraordinary without the ordinary. Finally, the Lord himself touches us and reaches us and turns things around through his grace. 
that comes as human agents obey and are used by him. Again, the Bible later emphasizes that Elijah was not a, God, not a God, but just a man being like you and me. Human being, sorry. A human being like you and me. And we'll see it later, y'all. He was a human being who was scared, homeless. There are times in the Bible he doubted God after he called fire down from heaven. Yeah, he saw fire come. We're going to see that next in a few weeks. He called down fire from heaven, burned everything up. And then like the day later when he heard somebody wanted to kill him, he got scared and started doubting God. Yeah, the same man who ate ravens. I mean, <laughs> I know he wanted some fried chicken, raven, some wings. But yeah, he, 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 he hey, bring that bread a little closer, little bird. Um, <laughs> I know God didn't give me that, but that's his blessing. Um, yeah, let me move on. Uh, but he was scared. He was homeless. He was let me, running for his life. And a human being who was put on earth and who, while at Cherith at Ravenbrook, was fed by God faithfully, right? Elijah was a human being who simply experienced God's faithfulness. You see, the grace that God gave him in word and prayer, the, the answered prayer against King Ahab, and then being by God, fed by God's grace, he passed on while he took up community and conversation and communed with this widow and her son. Do y'all see it? You know who God is using to pass his grace to and for a broken world? People who have not been passed by. Whose story is God's grace didn't pass me by. God visited me. People who God has passed the grace of his love and care to, who have, like Elijah, tasted and seen that the Lord is good. If you come to this Lord's Supper, do you know what you're declaring? That you have communion with God, that God has fed your soul. And when you eat, right, you are saying and you are participating in the grace of the Lord. You have been filled. You have been fed by the Holy Spirit of God. You are filled with God, Christ's grace. And so now you are one filled with the grace, able to be used by God to go. Look at this in verse here after the boy is resurrected. Verse 24. Elijah says, see your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God. That the word of God in your mouth is true. It's no longer his Lord. It's word. The Lord's word. When he passed God's grace, his faith became her faith. God's word became her truth and word. His food become, became her food. He didn't give her a trick, a plan. She came away with the Lord and being the Lord. She was no longer a widow without hope because the Lord had given her son back. Jesus is our forever Elijah, isn't he? He was born as a human into a broken place of broken people, and he suffered like anyone else did and would, under injustice and poverty and hunger and feeling forsaken by God. And he came here into our world as one of us to feel that and taste that, being, by, taste, taste that by being with the poorest and most forgotten groups of people. And the Bible says that he at the same time spoke to an ad and was at the, in the courts and, and discussed among the most exalted in society, 
that he ate with his disciples. And in doing so, Jesus had communion and community and camaraderie with all kinds of people. And that, yes, he experienced our death, right? He suffered. He laid himself like Elijah did on our sin sickness, taking it on, taking on our sorrows, acquainted with our grief, and went down three days, not three times, into a death we deserved. And then he rose. He gave us widows for heaven, right? We who are widows for heaven without hope of inheriting eternal life. He gave us a risen son. And in doing so, gave us eternity with God. Did you not know that it is through human agency, God becoming a human, that he saved you, believers? That he will save this world of broken people and places, and that even Jesus submitted himself to the means of grace, passing grace to the world only according to what God had said and told him to do, and even praying so much, he sweated like great drops of blood, and still praying for his people today, and having communion with them today by his Spirit. So as we go and live in this world, it is our mission and hope and prayer. Jesus passed the grace. I need it. They need it. Because your grace is sufficient and powerful. And more than enough to heal broken places and broken people through humans like your church who once broken and lost have been visited and found and given the word and fed and laid upon by God himself in Christ. Brings a whole new light to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them the word of God to observe all that I have commanded you. He says this, and behold, I am with you always to the edge of time. We go only because our Lord has gone and goes and lives in the broken and lives to pass the grace. I have lots of doubts about us. Have lots of doubts about our ability to pass the grace. Because we get selfish, we get greedy, we get scared. But I have no doubts about the Lord Jesus passing it. He will overcome our fears. If he can make a scary man like Elijah outrun a chariot, Y'all, he did some stuff. He can use us. But only as we taste and see his grace for ourselves. I'm not saying this in a vacuum. Oh, this is announcement time, sort of. We're going to, we as a church, we talked about Roots campaign. We got Roots, y'all. We get fed the word of God, grace, sacrament every week. Some churches don't even do it every week. Y'all eat every week of God's, of Jesus through his spirit, right? Like you get that. People are praying. We got the women, we got session at Christcentral.com. If y'all want to come on Monday, so y'all can get prayer. Like there's prayer. 
Some of us, like me, we don't always do it. But some of y'all are praying for me. Thank you. We got a sacrament. We got the word. It's time for us to go, y'all. Oh, it's nice and sophisticated. Oh, we're a multi-ethnic church. We're doing this. We got the Lord's Supper. Blah, 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 blah. Right? That's great. It's time to experience the grace of God by sharing the grace of God. Because you will only have the word, prayer, and sacrament when you get into and see what people are going through. If you haven't already. Some of y'all young just live long enough, Right? So on Wednesday, after we finish this little section, Wednesday night, midweek, we're going to break, we're going to come together, we're going to talk about what it means to go out, and then we're going to break up in teams, and guess what? Y'all going to go out and pass the grace. Every Wednesday night, something. Y'all going to be on teams, and you know what y'all going to have to do? I pray. You're going to have to come back and say, man, we need something more than we can give. I'm all gifted and talented. I'm outgoing. That ain't enough. We got a great plan. I understand the city. No, that ain't enough. We're going to pass the grace, y'all, by passing on Christ. So get ready. I'm a little scared because I just don't know, y'all. But I know Jesus, our forever Elijah. And amazing, thing hap- amazing things happen when he's around. So on Wednesday, y'all get ready. We're going to be announcing it. This summer, we are not taking off. We're going out. We're going out. So look forward to that. Was that like a little plug? Nah, man. It's just like I'm doing the Christ Central version of Matthew 28, right? We just updated it for our church and our time. We're going out. We come together, we meet as a group, we talk, we plan, we go out, we trust God. God messes it all up with some impossible things we're going to face. And then we come back, pray, give the word, and watch God do amazing things, right? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this message. Oh, Lord, from your officers down to those who don't even know you this morning. We need to know about the word of God again and, and prayer again and sacraments again and, and, and to believe that you work mightily through these things. Help us because we've believed a lie that um, we need more than what you give and that your ordinary means are not enough. Help us, Lord, to be obedient and submissive to those means. And when we don't, we thank you that your grace in Christ is sufficient to overcome our lack, our stubbornness, and sometimes our disobedience. Lord, thank you for how you've cared for this congregation. You have laid yourself on us, all over us, and we thank you for that. Bless us as we come to this Lord's Supper. Another ordinary, sometimes easy to feel like you're just going through the motion kind of thing. Touch us anew through it. And as we take it, Lord, know that we're going to a world who needs to eat this too. Help us to see them as starving. Even if they can go to the top restaurants in Charlotte, that they are starving if they can't come to this supper.
Help us to see that and know that. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.